you do dream, the Bible tells us that everybody dreams. Um, you just aren't aware of it. Sometimes you can go to bed troubled and wake up in the morning and not be troubled because God gave you a dream that solved your solution, but you're not aware of it. For you to become aware of it, you have to show an interest in it. You have to do it, okay? So what you're going to be doing is training yourself about dreams. And one of the best ways to do it is to start off and ask, ask God to give you a dream. And what you're doing is you, you are taking your attention and you're putting it on something that you've never done before. So this is just something, that's what you're doing, okay? And then you're going to ask him for a dream. When you get a dream, write it down. As soon as you can, write it down. Don't wait till lunchtime. <laughs> Try to write it down before that. Because what we've discovered is dreams seem to be written in disappearing ink. <laughs> so write it down. What will happen is you'll have another dream. Write it down. Have another dream. Write it down. And then what you're going to find out is that every single night, Yahweh himself has been teaching you. You didn't know it, but he has. And as, as time goes on um, and you have a lot of dreams, what you often find is that he's been teaching you a certain topic over a period of months. For example, it's not, that, that's not the only way, but you'll find that out. Um, what's in, it's important to him um, for everybody to know him and that he, loves, that he loves them. And he doesn't casually love you like, uh, you know, a face that only a mother could love kind of love. Not like that. He just deeply, deeply loves us all. So, dreams are something that he gives to everybody. doesn't matter what your state is. Your, not your United States state, but your state. You know, um, doesn't, you can say, I don't believe in God. You're still going to get dreams. You can say, I don't, believe in, I don't believe in dreams. You're still going to get dreams. Because he's talking to everybody. Right now, for, I'll give you an example of something. Um, we know that over in the Middle East, it's punishable by death uh, to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. And um, if your next door neighbor finds out that you're a believer, they'll sneak over in the middle of the night. I'm not making this up. This is true. They'll sneak over in the middle of the night and kill you and all your family. Okay? So what does that mean? We can't have a revival over there. Because if the minister goes in, he gets murdered too. So guess what Papa's solution is? He gives them dreams. And in those dreams, Yeshua himself appears to them, and they accept him. So that right now, we still, the, the woman's passed out, but she, had, she did work in the Middle East and, and knew things. And she, she was telling me that right, which is a number of years ago, she said right now there are two million Christians in Iran. And a lot of them got, became Christians through dreams. You just bypass the whole thing, okay? So dreams are not fantasies. We've talked about this. This is what we did the first time. They're not fantasies. It's not some kind of psychological process. It's him, and he uses symbols to talk to us. So, and then what we do the second night? Try to do it fast. <laughs> symbols. Symbols, okay. Well, we did the foundation of the, uh, the true olive tree. Burst, okay, yeah, the, we did that too. the yeah. wild olive trees, yeah. and then we showed how... Right. Okay. So, um, what's what's important to Papa? See, like they've been trying since we started writing the Bible down. We're talking about BC now. They've been trying to eradicate it from the earth, and they can't. Um, Hitler thought he got all the Bibles, all the Christian Bibles, all the Jewish stuff. He thought he did. He didn't. 
He had people burn Bibles. He didn't get rid of it. He thought he could destroy all of the Jewish synagogues, and he didn't know, but the Jews were working hard, and they buried their synagogues. And um, went with it, and sometimes they just took the books out of the synagogue and put it in people's attics so he would not be able to find them. He thought he got them all. In Russia, same thing. They thought they got all the Bibles, and they didn't. You can't get rid of it because it's not a book. It's the words of God himself, and it's not words about God. It's words that God spoke, and it was important to him that we, these thousands of years later, <laughs> know what he said. Um, if, if the gods of the ancients, I can give you names if you want to know, all those gods with the statues, they were invented by men, and the men take credit for inventing it, and they used it, they told us, that they used it to control women and to make people do what they wanted. So they, they came up with these scary gods to scare everybody. And, um, and then, of course, the head god is the pharaoh or the king or the whatever. And so um, when you're talking about that, if that's the means of contrast, what we're talking about on, on, on the true side is a papa is love undefinable. It's powerful. It's, it never ends. We have this phrase from um, the Apostle John. Um, he said God is love. He didn't say God loves. He said he is love. So because God is love, understand this. He cannot stop loving. Ever. God will never, ever get mad at you and stop loving you and leave you on your own. Ever. Because he is love. He doesn't just love. He's love. And, and he's uh, faithful in his love, too. So, how far am I? <laughs> okay. We talked about other books. We talked about... Yeah, we, uh, talked, about, we talked about other books. Um, last night, we talked about other books. You have, if you have a... Not one of these, but an actual book <laughs> of the Bible. <laughs> It'll have, in, in the way we design it, 66 books. 39 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New and, um, and we were taught that that's the only word of God there is. Um, but we found out, historically speaking, that there are lots of other books, but they were just not included in that, those, what we're going to call 39. The Jews don't, don't do um, 39. They have other numbers for that. But anyway, we're going to call it those 39 books. Those 39 books that are in that, that section have to do with the history of Israel as a nation. And, and them and their maybe even future, not maybe, but also future interactions. So that wasn't the only books. If you've heard about the Dead Sea Scrolls, we found out the books that they consider to be the Word of God. And it wasn't just those. So um, what we're saying is that there's a lot of knowledge that God, God has for us because it's always beneficial. So... Um, Four layers of interpretation. Hmm? Four four levels of interpretation. Yeah, and then we did four levels of interpretation. So, um, what we could say is, get the video. <laughs> get the video. <laughs> uh, when you read the Bible, um, there's actually four levels <clears throat> to read it. The first level is the plain meaning. Um, for example, uh, Abraham took his son um, and went out into the desert. That's the plain meaning. Okay? 
Um, what I've seen, you may have seen, I hope you didn't, but you might have, it's kind of common, people fight over the plain meaning. Christians fight each other over the plain meaning. And I believe the reason they fight over it is they don't know how to get the plain meaning. Once, once it's established how to get the plain meaning, then we're all good. I'll give you an example of what I mean. There's a church in Georgia and has 2,000 members. And every so often, the pastor brings in a gigantic box of rattlesnakes. And everybody has to reach in and grab a rattlesnake and not be bitten. And if they get bit, they're not supposed to die. But if they get bit and they die, they didn't have enough faith. Because Jesus said, you will handle snakes. Ever hear of an idiom? He wasn't telling people to pick up snakes. A snake in the Bible represents a lie. And the longer the snake, the bigger the lie. The fatter the snake, the bigger the lie. That's why Satan, Jesus called him a snake. He called Satan a snake, right? Because his lies are so big, right? So he's telling us that we can handle it. No lie, no lie is going to overcome us. No deception is going to overcome us because, because we have the spirit of the living God inside of us. Like that, okay? So there's a whole bunch of stuff like that in the Bible. That, you know, like he, he talked about whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And we don't even know what that means. To bind something means to prevent it. And to lose something means to allow it. And I, I had in my life a whole doctrine of binding and loosing, it was called. <laughs> and you bind this so you can loose that. And we had all kinds of teachings on it that we can't find any verses in the Bible about. But it's because we didn't know how to find the plain meaning. And the plain meaning also involves um, the history, what's going on at the time that it's written. So that's that. Then we, we go up, you know, we go to higher levels. Um, we can get to a place of hinting, an allegory. Um, Hinting, would be, an example of that would be when um, um, Isaac um, was bound by Abraham and put on, the, um, on, a, on a, a, a place for him to be burned. And he, he's put on it. And, um, and, his, and his son says to him, uh, you know, Dad, um, where's the sacrifice we were going to offer coming out here? And he says, Yahweh himself... Yahweh will provide himself a lamb. And then he looks over and there's a ram in the thicket. It's caught by its horns. It's not a lamb. It's a ram. And then you're thinking, God's going to make himself the lamb. It's hinting at something. And we find out the solution, we find out the answer to that in the new covenant um, that he cut. And that God was the lamb. He provided it for us, okay? So it gets some kind of an idea here. The highest level of um, the highest level of learning is what's referred to as sod. And it means in Hebrew the secrets of God. So like if I if I say to you, um, what number am I thinking of? It's a secret, isn't it? It's, not, it's, it's, it's a little bit more than a mystery, because a mystery you could figure out eventually. But a secret can't be known unless I tell you what the secret is. Okay? So that's the highest level of God. He wants to share secrets with everybody. Okay? So um, that's the highest level. And, that's, and you can understand 
course, you weren't here. I'm doing this as fast as I can. <laughs> so you can understand um, how everything builds on each other until you get to the sowed level. Um, the sowed level of God has to do with symbols. So when you get a dream, why doesn't God just use words in your dream and tell you something? He's using symbols because that's the highest level. We also talked about the fact that when Adam and Eve were created, um, God put Adam in a trance. And out of that trance, he made Eve. So because Adam and Eve, you know, the, the entire human race has built into it the ability for mysticism. It's mystic, mystic encounters with God is built into the human race. You, you know, you'll hear people say, you know, just follow your gut. Or, it's funny that you call me. I was just thinking about you. We have all kinds of things like that in our life that we didn't know what it was, and it's because God designed us to be able to interact with him on the level that he, that he chooses. Okay? So far? Okay. Okay, you just did two days in like <laughs> blinding speed. And you have the notes to the you notes can, for the last two nights are there. To you can do that. This. And, you know, and if you're interested. I'll have the video. I have look one at video the video. Up. I'll get more. <laughs> I'll do podcasts. <laughs> Spotify. Okay. So every person on the planet, when you go to sleep, you're what, what we refer to as the deepest part of your sleep. The REM, the REM part, they call it, rapid eye movement. Um, you're actually in a trance that God put you in a trance so that he can give you a dream and talk to you, according to the Bible, okay? Like, I don't have two heads or anything, right? There's not, like, another one growing here or anything? We're good? Okay. So, um, so that's kind of like where we left off. So what we, what we like to talk about, God doesn't just want to communicate to us in dreams, When you read through the scriptures, you realize that it's really important to him that we can see him. Christianity is not a bunch of rules and regulations. It's God bringing us close to himself and close to his heart. And for God, it's all about the relationship. When you were born, well, before you were born, at the moment of conception... You all know what that is. At the moment of conception, there was a bright white light. And that was the moment that God gave you life. You were with him according to the Bible before the, before the foundation of the world. So he really treasures you. Okay, so. Oops, this way. We talked about this last night. I'll just, I'll just mention it here. The Apostle Paul describes some things for us to understand. And he talks about the olive tree, which is God's symbol for Israel. And then he talks about a wild olive tree, which is somebody that's trying to be something that they want. They want, to appear, they want it to appear that they're, that they're an olive tree too. Um, so, I'd, how far should I, how fast should I go? Um, He, okay, so I'm gonna, I'll try to summarize this. So, Paul was a very powerful apostle. 
he walked everywhere. When you start looking at where he walked to and how far, how long it took him to get there, there was no roads in ancient Rome. Uh, what he did sometimes is if he went from Jerusalem over to Asia Minor, he went down in valleys and up over mountains because that was faster because there's no roads. And when he got there, he preached. Sometimes they beat him up. Sometimes they put him in jail. Uh, one time they actually uh, murdered him dragged his body outside of the of the city he was in, and he, he raised himself from the dead and walked back in the city over his own blood. And he kept preaching. That's pretty and powerful. they couldn't stop him. Okay? So what we're talking about with, with what we're talking about here is not a group of ideas, and this is your view and this is my view, but what we're talking about is the Holy Spirit demonstrates among men God's power. So you can clearly see that God is not only real, but how much he loves you, how powerful he is, because he, he is the creator of everything. He's very powerful. So, so in this discussion, he was talking about, the, he was letting them know how much he cares for the Jewish people. And, uh, and I'm going to just stop with that. And then he talks about the fact that these, you know, I mean, the stuff that the Gentiles did back then, as bad as some places are in this world, I don't know if it holds a candle to what they did. It was pretty wicked. And, um, and then that was us. And he called us into his, into his love and forgave us. And we find out that God told us to tell everybody that God's not mad at you. And he's not holding your sin against you. And he feels reconciled to you. But for reconciliation to take place, you have to be reconciled to God. He's already reconciled to you, but you have to be reconciled to him, okay? So that reconciliation is what the cross of Jesus was all about because when that nail went into his hand, all of our sin got sucked into him and into the spirit of Yahweh that was in him and past, present, and future. So he's totally reconciled to you. He just wants us to be reconciled to him rather than be distant. He's not mad at anybody. He's not holding anybody's sin against him. It's all taken care of. Um, but for you to have the benefit of it, you need to be reconciled to him. And then you go into a meeting and your friend's preaching and there's a boy that has one leg shorter than the other. And he sits down, sits the little boy down in the chair. He sits across from him in the chair. He holds the little boy's leg out like this and he puts his heel on his hand and in front of the I don't know how many we fit in that room at least hundreds of people maybe more than that we watched his leg do this and while it's doing that I'm this I'm a geeky kind of guy I'm thinking to myself he's getting new bones he's getting new arteries veins muscles skin I wonder if he feels anything didn't say it out loud, but my friend, who's holding the, this boy's leg while it grows out, looks up at me, looks over at him, and says, do you feel anything? He said, no. Hmm. He got up. He was born with one leg shorter than the other. He didn't know how to walk because he did this to walk. When he did that, his foot hit quick, and he didn't know what to do. And he tried it again, and his foot hit quick, and he, and he wasn't walking. 
And then you could see on his face like a, the recognition. And he put one foot in front of the other for the first time in his life. And he walked with one foot just like we walk. That wasn't the only one. It did not matter. It did not matter what was wrong with their bodies. Yeshua himself healed everything. One little boy had his hammer, anvil, and stirrup and eardrum cut, cut out by a, um, a surgeon. And Jesus healed him. And um, the mother, you know, I'll truncate the story. So, you know, the mother contacted us. She wanted to know about it. She said on the way home, uh, he could hear us. And uh, we don't know what that means. And we said, and uh, now his hearing's completely perfect. Uh, what do you think we should do? We said, uh, go to the surgeon. So they went to the surgeon. And they said, um, you know, our family and, and, and our son here, we, we went to a, a gospel meeting last night, and now our son can heal, can hear. Um, so we thought we'd try to, you know, so he gets out his stuff, he looks, he goes, yep, there's the eardrum, there's the hammer, anvil, and stirrup. And we used to kind of tease the atheists, and we would say, how, how can these things be? <laughs> so that just blurted out of them. <laughs> they said, how can these things be? And the surgeon who performed the surgery said, well, these things grow back, you know. <laughs> he didn't know what to say. Because... Well, now he thinks that. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> He'll have more miracles. <laughs> yes. So what we're talking about, it doesn't matter. It didn't matter what was wrong with him. Things that had been cut out of their body grew back into their body. Things that you could physically see, things that were inside, we always had it uh, documented by the doctors. Uh, we went to the psychiatric centers. And um, in the psychiatric centers, the people would come out, they'd come to a meeting, and then they're healed in their mind, and they don't go back. And so eventually the, the owners of the psych center called us up, so we can't have you come back anymore. We're losing too many people. See, we're not talking about ideas here. When people fight over plain doctrine, they don't understand. That's just your entrance. That's just so that you can right. begin to process the beauty and the wonder of who God is. Right. He's very, very powerful. Right. We used to have a Wednesday night prayer meeting. Well, it was supposed to be a Bible study, but it turned into a prayer meeting because everybody's, you know, um, you know, let's start with prayer. Anybody have a prayer? Yeah, I have a friend that's in the hospital. The doctors, the tears. The doctors said they're going to die tonight. Can you pray? Yeah, we prayed. They were healed that night and went home the next day. Over and over and over. No matter what was asked for on Wednesday night, the Holy Spirit performed it. One day, I'm, you know, Debbie and I are in the house by ourselves, and this lady pulls up with someone that we don't know, and she comes into our house, and they said, Bruce, I just wanted you to introduce, I can't remember her name, so-and-so to you. Um, a couple of months ago, um, she was dying on a Wednesday night, and um, she's all healed now, and she's on her way to Disney World. She wanted, she wanted us to meet her, okay? Um, a little uh, a, a teenager is troubled in his mind. He can't, he's just totally, totally troubled, and um, they realize that he's got, he's, you know, he's demon-possessed. So, Wednesday night, didn't go there. Jesus drove all the devils out of me, went home with a sound mind. We get a call, someone's trying to d deliver somebody in a house. We'll call Bruce. 
when they heard they're going to call Bruce, they left. The devils left. But when I'm not talking about myself now. What we're talking about is the actual reality of the living God. He actually heals. He actually delivers us from every every single thing that's hurt us or wounded us or whatever. His power is present to do that. Now, when you have a wild olive tree, went to the front, Bruce. <laughs> when you have a wild olive tree, you do not have that. You have ideas. You have arguments. You have people fighting over this, and I think the Bible says this, and I think it's this, and sometimes they raise their voice at each other over the most loving being you cannot even imagine if you've never felt his love, and I tell you, you can't imagine it. When you feel it, you'll know what I mean. It's beyond our ability to grasp, but the kind of love that he has for people is absolutely life-changing. And it's not the ooey-gooey love that's in movies. <laughs> it's powerful, and it's pure, and it's clean, and you know that you know that you know that he loves you. And he doesn't just love you from a distance. He helps you. He helps you with everything that you need help with. Right? Okay, so that's that. So I'm trying to truncate this. So the wild olive tree is just, uh, they're trying to pretend that it's God. And it isn't because the Holy Spirit's not, he's not showing up to demonstrate how the things that God wants. To, you know, it's one thing for me to say God heals. And it's another thing for me to say, come on up front. What do you, what's wrong with you? Jesus will heal you and he heals you. See, that's what the Bible means by demonstration. So what made Christianity so uh, powerful at that time and scary to the people that made up gods is that the Holy Spirit showed up to perform the power of God in front of everybody's eyes, and they didn't know what to do about that. <laughs> yep. Okay? So what, when we're talking about a relationship with God, we're not talking about ideas here. Right? We're not talking about that. How do you know God's real? How do you know he's not an imaginary God like atheism is an imaginary God? How do you know he's not the same as that? And then there's atheism, then they, we could just make a list. How do you know it's not that? Because there's no other ever in the history of mankind to this very day has any other religion had open demonstrations of the power of God. God has, God has different levels of voices, but one of the voices that he has is called a bot kol, it's called the daughter voice. It has an authority in it that is, un, it's, it's like you, if you were standing up, you would fall down. And when Yeshua talked, whenever it says in the Bible, he spoke with a loud voice, it's because the translator didn't know what to call it. It was the bat kol. The voice of Yahweh himself was speaking through a human being. And they all turned to him. When, when, when he was walking the earth, he had 5,000 Talmudim. A, a Talmudim is not the same as the disciples. It's a different concept. It's a Jewish concept. And the definition of a Talmudim is I walk in the dust of my rabbi. Wherever he goes, they follow him because they want to hear everything he has to say. If they, can, if they can sleep in his front yard, they sleep in his front yard because they want to learn everything they can learn about him. He has 5,000 of those. And in the process of that, as they're starting to tell everybody what he does, he goes, he goes into this area, and people just come out of the woodwork because they have trust that he's powerful enough to heal them. And they bring every kind of sickness imaginable. And sometimes the thousands of crowds that were there 
he can't lay hands on them like this, like we do in church, you know. Boom, boom, boom. There were so many, he just, he stuck his arms out and started walking. And as he's walking in their midst, no matter what they were sick with, he, they were healed. Because they had trust in him. Because he's openly demonstrating how much Papa loves people. He totally loves them. He doesn't love them from afar. He doesn't love them through... I, I just, you see, I'm Pluto with a telescope. What's going on down here? You know, and it's not like that. He's actively involved, and he's the one that has, if you need solutions, he gives you solutions. You need healing. But I'll, I'll tell you the most enjoyable thing is the joy of Yahweh. That is the deal. It's because he replaces all of our sadness with joy. Okay? So when we're looking at olive trees, because I, you know, I don't want to do the whole Bible study with you again in case you, because it's not in the context. Uh, but we could go over it. So what we want to do is, since we're talking about dreams, we're going to be talking about visions, and tonight we're going to, we're going to talk about meditation, because you just saw it on the video. Um, the word meditation occurred in the Bible before there was a, a China or a Buddha or whatever. Um, Jesus told us that when we pray, we should go to our secret place. We know that the secret place can't be a room in your house. That, that would be your, because everybody knows, oh, he's going to a secret place. That's not a secret place. That's his prayer place. <laughs> a secret place means no one knows where it is. Guess where that is? And right here. And how do I get there? How do I pray from here and not here? Right. How do I try to come up with formulas that maybe I can convince God to do something for me? Right? You know, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. No. You, you, you can't get hungry enough. You can't get desperate enough. You can't get thirsty enough to move God. If you could get thirsty enough to move God, you just controlled him. That's a good point. Pause for effect. <laughs> okay, we're just trying to get... Okay, he's inclined. He's more inclined to help you than you are inclined to let him. He's looking for every opportunity to show his love to you because he's totally, he's the, one that, he's the one that gave you life in your mama's tummy. And I'm just going to tell you something that maybe you've never heard before, but I'm just going to tell you anyway. Every one of you in this room have an angel that was assigned to you by Yahweh to help you. And when your mom was pregnant, that angel was assigned before you were born. And we, we've seen angels and what they do, what they like to do, not all the time, but they pat mom's tummy because they're so excited about you being born. And sometimes they'll kiss mom's tummy because they're so excited about you being born. And when you were born, they rejoiced because your angel loves you. Now, my angel told me, I was thanking him for all the stuff he did with me because I have my own sense of humor. I'm, you know, call him by name. I'm, you know, thank you. I appreciate all you've done for me. And he goes, Bruce, it hasn't always been easy with you. Okay, so they're very loving, and you have one. You say, well, I don't believe it. Well, the Bible says it. I'm just introducing you to the idea. You may see him. When you get close to God, in the sense of being aware of, of, of his majesty and who he is, you can ask God to see your angel, and you'll see him. You could also talk to him. Am I blowing your mind yet? Okay. Um, you, can, you can talk to him. He'll talk back to you. I had a prophetic dream one night, and... Yeshua asked me uh, to write it as a poem. So I'm writing it as a poem, and I'm suddenly aware that my angel's behind me. 
and it was when I was first learning about angels. And so um, he's standing behind me, and I said to him, um, I said, um, I'm just writing a poem. Do you want to see it? He goes, I don't have to see it. Because he hears my thoughts. It's so silly me. I said, I'll show it to you anyway. <laughs> there you go. This realm, everybody in this room, you were created by God to be in the realm I'm describing right now. He put that inside of you. You're designed to function in two realms. This realm and the spiritual realm that's in the room. If it's a wild olive tree, it will not teach you about this realm, the spiritual realm. Because it's wild. When you, when you start reading in Genesis and you start looking at these miracles and you start looking at what's happening to these guys, right? We know, we, we, we're pretty sure that a cubit's 22 inches. I say pretty sure because that's the, that's the length that King Tut's cubits works. That, he was buried with his cubits. So let's just round up for the math's sake. Okay, because a cubit is the distance between here and here. Let's just say 24, just a couple inches more, right? Let's say 24. Goliath was 18 feet tall. Hello? <laughs> and this, this kid, this kid who was sent by his dad to bring some bread, blood, bread for, some <laughs> bread for his brothers, and some food for them while they're supposedly fighting, but they're not fighting. They're terrified of an 18-foot-tall guy. And he looks at the 18-foot-tall guy, and he goes, you know, what's, what's up with you guys? You know, he said, you know, I, took care of, I take care of my dad's flocks, right? If a bear comes, I grab the, I grab the bear by the chin, and I kill the bear. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? He didn't take a sling and chase it away. He runs over to the bear, he grabs it by the snout, and he kills it. He goes, same thing with a lion. Come, I grab him by the, sn by, by the snout, and I kill him. This Philistine will be nothing but that to me. Why is that? Because of the power of Yahweh that came upon him to do that. So, you know, you see these movies about Goliath, and Goliath running toward David, and he's just barely, you know. But the Bible says that he ran. David ran to him. <laughs> and while he's doing that, off in the distance, where you can see there's a bunch of women on the wall of the city, and they're praying for the nation. And this little boy takes a sword, who knows how big it is, because he's 18 foot tall. You know a javelin is skinny, right? His javelin was the size of a weaver's beam. That's how big his hands were. A weaver's beam was skinny to him. So when he gets knocked down, what's he do? He takes his own sword off, because he'd already told him, I'm going to cut your head off. Takes the sword out, cuts his head off, and where does he go first with the head? Over to the women that are praying. He's dragging this gigantic head behind him. and goes over and shows it to the women over there. Now, does God want you to go into the streets and kill people? No. 
just in case that added your mind. No, he doesn't. But what we're trying to say is no one's ever done that before, and they haven't done anything like that since. But that needed to be done. In the whole nation, he was the only, he was the only person in that whole nation that said, what? These gods, they serve their imaginary. What are you afraid of them for? <laughs> so anyway, so I'm trying to give you like an over overarching view of the, mirac the miraculous aspect of God. And he's very, he's very powerful, um, and you can't stop him. So um, I'm kind of glad to be on that side. Because they've not been able to er eradicate the knowledge of God from the planet since the beginning. They can't get rid of it. The Dead Sea Scrolls were a beautiful testimony of that. What they did in the Dead Sea Scrolls is they compared the Bible, what we call the Old Testament, they compared that from the, from the time of the Dead Sea Scrolls, which is about the time of Jesus, to the Bible today. And so they said, how many differences do you think there would be in 2,000 years worth of copying a book? Like, would it be good if there was a th only 1,000 differences? What about 500? That would, that would probably be okay if there was only like 500. What about 100? That, that would be awesome if there's only 100 different things um, from that original that, that we have from over 2,000 years ago. What about 10? Wouldn't 10 just totally blow your mind that there's only 10 differences between that Bible and the Bible we have today? How about this? There's only one. And it has to do with the spelling of a name. Not only can they not get it off the planet, they can't change it. They're rewriting our Bibles in America. They're re trying to. They're not going to be able to get, get away with it. They're trying to do it in China. That's what, that's what they, they think they can get rid of the, the, the ideas. But this, this, this is not an idea. These are God's own words. And you can't get rid of them. Because he already spoke them. All right? Okay. So that's, that's what and we're that, talking about when we're talking about dreams. And Go right ahead. Okay. <laughs> now everybody knows the de what the Dead Sea Scrolls are. Have you heard of it before? Everybody? No. The Dead Sea Scrolls are... So explain exactly, um, not too much, but just how long... <laughs> how long Because we were, know you'll do this, Bruce. Well, they yeah. were lost. So all of these... There's a group of... Um, these are Jewish guys, right? It's the, Jewish, it's the okay. Jewish guys that trained John the Baptist. They trained John the Baptist. They're called the Essenes. They lived in the desert. They they had to hide because of persecution. They had all these writings, which were the scriptures. It was, it's like their library. It's their library. They hid them all. And in I guess it was the 1940s, was it? Or yeah, late 40s. In the late 1940s, some kid was out there playing or whatever, and he threw a rock, and he heard a... Uh, like a, it, a it jar hit, break. It sounded like a jar, yeah. And so he looked to see what it was, and inside were all of these jars. scrolls and with like jars, yeah, yeah, with scrolls in them, and they were considered the Dead Sea Scrolls because that's where the area that it was found in, and it contained all the scriptures intact, written from what was that like 180, 280? Well, it was like, less than that because it was yeah. before. It was right after the. It was before 40 A.D. Before we'll 40 A.D. So yeah. these are the original manuscripts of the scriptures that they found in the 1940s that had been hidden 
and what he was saying there is they were comparing these scriptures to see the differences between what we have and what they have, and they found one difference. In a spelling and of the a spelling name, of a not name. even an idea, just the spelling so, of a name. Because there's a lot of false teaching out there that says, oh, the scriptures have been changed, and all oh, these people did this and all. And, and in reality, of all the books that we have, the books that have definitely not been changed are the scriptures. All the other books probably have been, oh, yeah. but the scriptures have been preserved. And like he was saying, why have they been preserved? Everyone's really good at preserving them. Yeah, well, I think somebody's good at preserving them, and that would be God because he actually wrote them. You know, so so that's why you know, and and I love you know to read about people's experiences in the spirit and all this, but just be watch out for um, when people downplay the scriptures, the Word of God. Now. Again, there's some people, and their experience is the scriptures. Well, that's also not great either. So you have these two sides. You have one, well, we don't need experience. We have the scriptures. Well, no, you need a living encounter with God and not just ideas about him. But then you have these other guys, oh, we don't need the scriptures anymore. We're beyond the scriptures. Well, you're beyond something, all right. You're beyond the Lord. You know. So those are wild, and those are kind of the comparisons between yeah. these two. So the scriptures are God's word, and we go to his word to get what his thoughts you know, so those are the kind of things, and we look at the different translations and the original, the Aramaic, and Dad does a lot with the Aramaic and the original writing that was there so that we can see what actually the words are because they're, they're all written down. Right. We have them, and people, right. people can read them and see what they actually were because some of those translations, because this is where people get an issue. They're like, oh, well, this word is translated here and here and here and here. Well, you can look at the original word and come up with it yourself. You know, and we use a book, um, the one I use, anyway, you have a couple of used yeah. by the one I use is called the Translinear Bible, and it's called the Ancient Roots Translinear. You can get it on Kindle. And basically what this guy did is right, he took the word, he translated what that word means, and then every single time, from the first time he translates it, every single time he uses the exact same word. So some of it, we kind of call it the Yoda translation because sometimes the words are all Because he put it in the same order in the that same it was written order. In. It was he didn't written. change it into English. Yeah. The order that it was written in. So it's kind of cool, and I use that translation as well because there's some great translations out there, and they're, they contain a lot of the translator's ideas, and I like some of them. I'm like, well, that's a good commentary translation. You know, I like that, but I always have other mm -hmm. translations too because you want that depth. You want to be able to see it from all these different angles and then always go back to the Aramaic. So this is a good way to study the scriptures is to look at the original, bring in these others, and everyone has their own style. But the important thing is God got his message across, and uh, he made sure that it was preserved. So that's yeah. the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah. So yeah. that's what they are. Yeah. And um, you can't take the knowledge of God off the planet. In fact, here, here's God's view. What I do is I shake it, and everything that can be shaken is evil. And when it can be shaken, I'm going to remove it so that only the th stuff that can't be shaken remains. Because evil is very weak. That's why it has to portray itself as powerful. Right. Just shake it. That's all he has to do. He shakes it. He removes the evil so that the good stays. So what do you find out? We're still here. That guy that murdered all those Christians, gone. Still here. <laughs> right. Us, still here. Him, gone. <laughs> right. So I'm just trying to give you a perspective on stuff. So he's not threatened by the devil. He's not threatened by man. He's not threatened by anything like that. And when we have that, when we have that relationship with him, that, that kind of seeps into us too. Okay, so what we're talking about today is being able to encounter God in the way that he wants to.
So we could say, you, like you could pray this prayer and really mean it with all your heart and it would be a good prayer. You know, God, I want to be as close to you as I can. I just really want to be close to you. I just want to be as close to you as I can. And I had a time in my life where I was having experiences and I, and I was telling him, you know, I just want to be as close to you as I can. And one day I said that and Yeshua said back to me, have you considered how close I want you to be? And I never thought about that. I can't ask God for something I don't know. So what he says is, how close do you think I want you to be? Are you willing to be as close to me as I want you to be? I said, yep. <laughs> oh, yes, I do, right? So that's different. So what we're talking about here is not going into a church and, and, um, or any kind of you know, um, group of people that believe in Jesus. We're not talking about going in there and just getting ideas and going home. We want to be able to encounter him and we're going to be encountering him through his word, of course, too. But we're also going to have experiences with him. So the, the Bible is full of examples. And what I did is I just gave a few examples so you could see. Um, Abraham ate with Elohim. Elohim is the Hebrew word for God. As an act of affection, I don't say God because I know God is the name of a Babylonian deity of luck and favor. So I don't say it. I'm not telling you that you can't say it. And I'm certainly not telling you that I look down on you for that or anything like that. God forbid. It's not like that. But it's an act, it's a, it's an, a, an act of affection for him. Because why did they change his name when it's Elohim? Or like what if I said, this is my son, the name. <laughs> I'd like to introduce you to my son, the name. the name. If you get a Jewish Bible, it says Hashem, which means the name, instead of his name. See? So we want to know him, and he's given us his name. So, so that's why, in case you want to know why I did that. Okay, so, um, so Abraham ate with Elohim. Seventy-four men in Exodus ate with Elohim. Now, now back in the sixth, we had a word called dig. Can you dig that? Anybody ever heard that? You probably never have. You guys did. Okay. Okay. So can you dig that? <laughs> Seventy-four men went to heaven and ate with God. <laughs> Okay, we're not talking about sitting around arguing over doctrines and ideas. We're talking about they went up and ate with him. He ate with them, okay? Moses saw Elohim. See, Moses had on the top, on the top of, of, of the mountain, the Bible says that the glory of God came down four hand, breaths from, four hand breaths from touching the earth. So they're standing in the glory, but he wants to talk to them from heaven, so he brings heaven down to earth within four hand breaths, and he speaks to them. Okay, that's, that's what I mean by being in the glory. Okay, so of course he's talking to God in the glory. He's talking to all the angels. The Bible talks about all that. But out of the glory, he had a tent. It was called the tent of meeting. And he sees God face to face in the tent. Okay, um, Joshua and all of Israel saw Elohim. David saw Elohim. And so you say, well, the Bible says that no one can see God, that God's invisible. So what does that mean? Well, it's an idiom. It means it's hidden. <laughs> it doesn't mean you can't say it. You can't see it till he reveals it. Right. right? So, it's, so what we see from these, it's important 
um, to Elohim that you see him. He wants to be seen. Yeshua wants you to see him. Okay? Now, how come I didn't see him yet? Because you're only looking at him with this. These eyes. These eyes are given to us to be in this realm. But the book of Hebrews tells us you have spiritual eyes. It's, you have all five senses that you have in this realm. You have them in the spiritual realm. And you, the part of you that's a spirit, because you're a spirit. Any, anybody here ever read anything by... Um, um, who should I say first? <laughs> um, Kenneth Hagin? Okay. If you, okay, so you have it. Okay. So the, the Bible teaches that man's made up of three parts. A spirit, a, a spirit, a soul, and a body. And those are, those are the ways that we can contact God. It's the ways that we contact this realm. Okay? So, um, <laughs> um, you have spiritual eyes with which you see the spiritual world. If they're not developed, it doesn't mean they won't be. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to be. It just means that no one taught you. So when we're talking about Jesus telling everybody um, to pray from your secret place, that's the place where you see God. It's not in your mind. It's in your heart. Okay, so we'll talk about that later. I don't know. I'm trying not to go too deep. Okay, hold on. Hold on a second. Oops. All right, hold on one second, Dad. I'll fix it. I unplugged it. Brief. Whoa. Brief fix here. Cool blue square, though. Whoa. Is what we'll do. <laughs> We're very close. We're this close. Plug it back in. Let's try it again. Um, the other thing too is remember, um, just as a, as another oh, power. There you go. Thing too. Um, to see, you know, to, I don't know if you're going to cover this or not. Look at that. Okay. No, just go right ahead. We're, um, cause it's just us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just us. Yeah. Any questions? questions any questions so any far? Any questions about, we covered a bunch of stuff here. Any questions from anybody? And don't, don't feel like uh, people are going to look down on you cause you think your question's stupid. Questions. Just so that's clear. No one's, no one's question is stupid. All right. All right. Um, Think of it. All right. Go ahead. Keep up. Keep going. There you go. Okay. We did it. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> I thought that one might work, but I was wrong. <laughs> so, um, When you have a dream at night, you're encountering God on what the Bible refers to as a mystical level. 
God has different ways of healing. He loves the signs and wonders to show people that he actually does the things that he says. So he heals people in front of other people to show that he's not imaginary like all the other gods are. And he does what he says he'll do. So there are some verses. And what we had planned tonight was to have worship at the end. So we just did, we're doing this fast. But of course, you know, me and Jamie can't do things fast like talk about God fast. So um, what we want to talk about is our mystical, encou mystical encounters. Are they just for a few people? You know, like that guy over there, or, or maybe you want to assign it to one of the, the five gifts, you know, the ministry gifts, only prophets do or only, you know, whatever does and no one else gets to. So we want to be able to answer that question. So to answer it, the quickest way is to just question. And Exodus said, um, God told us that we be a kingdom of priests. Now, now a priest is someone that is close to God. They're aware of God. They're aware of what God likes. Okay? So that's what a priest is. It's not a guy with a backwards collar that wears black all the time. It's not like that. It has to do with a relationship with God and, and being able to help other people be drawn close to him. Okay? So, um, and then Moses said this, and since it was M Moshe, we're pretty sure what, what was coming after that. He said, would to Elohim that all of Elohim's people were, wait for a class, prophets. What? <laughs> what? You know, you, 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 if you ever remember that... that show from a long time ago, what you talking about, Willis? What are you talking about? All of God's people being prophets? What? Okay, so in case I said this too fast, I'm going to draw your attention to the word all. <laughs> okay, now what we do is we come in into uh, the New Testament and we find out that the gifts of the Spirit have an expiration date. Uh-oh. <laughs> Now, let me explain the gifts of the Spirit. Corinth was wicked. There's stuff in Corinth that's so wicked, I don't tell anybody. I know what it is, but I'm not telling anybody. Because it's, it's really gross. The whole city was gross. It was, it was sick beyond description. Horrific things, okay? And um, so these are, the, these, these are the, the dudes that come into Christianity, and they've all known all of this stuff. And so um, they had these powerful encounters, but not everybody has had that. And a, a guy marries his stepmother. And they say, well, this is really great. <laughs> and so the church has some stuff where they're arguing and stuff like that going on in the church. And Paul talks about it, but, but he can see them. And, and, and he reali we realize when you can see somebody, you realize that the, what they're doing is not who they are. It's just what they're doing then. And if it's wrong, you can repent. Okay? So we don't, we don't evaluate what people do to determine things. We just look at who they are. And so he always did that. He looked at who they are. And then, um, so the church in Corinth was having a lot of spiritual trouble. And what was God's solution? He gave them gifts. <laughs> he didn't thump them. He gave them gifts. Okay, so we have a list of those. Um, we're not going to get into teaching that tonight, but I just thought I'd bring this up 
Because what I want you to see is that the Bible says that all these gifts of the Spirit have an expiration date. And, and before your brain says, what are you talking about? Is God going to abandon us? No. So much for my whatever. Um, you will be a kingdom of priests. Everybody's going to be a priest. Everybody's going to be a prophet. So you don't need prophets. John Paul Jackson, we, my wife and I, Debbie and I, were, were with him for, you know, a good while there. And um, I got off on that, boy. So once a year, they, he had a, con it's called a prophetic convergence in Texas, and he'd have this prophetic convergence. And one year he invited a guy by the name of Justin Paul Abraham to come speak. And what he wanted him to do was to announce to all the prophets that the age of the prophets was over. Now, are we speaking against the gifts of the Spirit? Obviously not, because we believe in the Word of God and the gifts of the Spirit. But since the Bible says there's an expiration date, it's not going to be abrupt in that sense. It has to do with the maturity of the people. Your walking with God is not based on the strength of your will because there are times where your will breaks down. But God's will never breaks down. So if you can learn to, this is God and this is you and you feel like you're doing this and you're going to fall and then he does this with you, all of a sudden your will doesn't break down. You've learned the secret the secret knowledge of God that you can't do it by yourself. You weren't designed to do it by yourself. You were designed to have God intertwined with you on a very high level, not occasionally. So the, the areas of temptation, he wants to be intertwined with you so that you're strong and you don't give in to the temptation. I'm just, these are practical things. It's not the only thing, but it's, it's common to us all, right? He, he wants to be intertwined with us, and that's the word that he uses. There's a verse, some of you may know the verse, um, they that wait on the Lord will renew their strength, you know, they'll mount up with the wings as eagles, that verse. So you look up the word wait. So I, I always thought it was like this. I'm waiting, God. Come on, you're coming. I'm waiting. I'm waiting on you. And you look it up. It doesn't, it doesn't say that. It says intertwined and knotted together. You can't undo the knot when God ties it. You'll never, ever, ever, rest of eternity, you will never feel isolated and alone ever again when you're intertwined with him. You'll never feel weak. You'll never feel overcome because you're overtwined with him, intertwined with him and everything that he is, is for you. And his strength becomes your strength. His wisdom becomes your wisdom. His words become your words. Because you're intertwined with him. So when we wait, so how do I wait? Well, this is what we're talking, this is what Jesus taught. Moses knew it. They, they taught it. You have a secret place inside of you. It's your secret place with you and Papa. It's not your mind. 
Because you can sit down to pray and your mind's like thinking, I got to do this when I get done praying. I got to do that when I get done praying. I'm praying for so and so. I don't even know what to pray. That's like, what a mess that is. <sighs> Maybe there's some faith, faith verses I could use. I don't know what to do, right? You know, and that, that I'm not saying that anybody in the room thinks this. I'm giving this as an example. Did you want to add? I wanted to add, um, we kind of talked about the age of the prophet and the gifts, the ministry gifts. I just wanted to clarify yes, please a do. little bit on that because that kind of, we, kept, we kept going on it because that's kind of like a little like, wait, what are you saying? Yeah. Um, so what we're not saying is that there are no ministry gifts and that there are no gifts of the <laughs> yes, Spirit. Yes, of course, okay? right. And that they haven't gone away. They're still here. But there's a higher. So you have in this Scripture, you have lower and higher and higher and higher as far as understanding, okay? So... When you go higher in understanding, it doesn't negate the lower understanding. It's still there. It it's didn't go there. away. Right, right. <laughs> so exactly. what we're seeing, and I think a lot of us are seeing this, is that it does appear that God is not playing favorites with certain people when it comes to seeing in the Spirit. That everyone can see. That's everyone beautiful. has the ability to see in the Spirit. Why is that? Well, we saw in Exodus that Moses, or in Numbers, Moses said... I pray that all of God's people were prophets because if you read the previous, because I was looking at the previous verse, two random guys were in the camp prophesying and they were really upset. And they're like, why are these guys prophesying? And Moses is like, that's awesome. The spirit of the Lord is on them. They're prophesying. I wish everybody was prophesying. So what we're talking about here is how the Lord is setting us yeah, free that's good. That's good. from the bondage of spiritual hierarchy. Mm -hmm. Okay, because that's the demonic force that has taken over a lot of people's mindset in regards to moving in the spirit. I can't move in the spirit. I can't see in the spirit. That's for that guy. He studies his Bible every day. I know he does because he tells me every single time he prophesies. <laughs> okay, so what is God doing is he's telling us that the door is open. The gate is open to go in. So when Justin Abraham said that the age of the prophets was over, that was to a whole bunch of prophets so that they would know when they see Bill and Frank out there prophesying that they'll be like, hey, go for it, do yeah. it, <laughs> right? Because that is the spirit of God and his, his love for us is for us to move into these higher realms where we can see. So we have the gifts of the spirit. They're awesome. And this is how we're introduced into the realm of the spirit is by the gifts of the spirit. Right. And that's why we have them categorized. So we're not like, what was that? Oh, that's tongues and interpretation. What was that? Oh, that's the discerning of spirits. Oh, I can see different. So we know what they are. We're, we have this classification there. Yes, yes, and it's the grace good. of God. So much more. And those are the intro courses to what we actually are and who we are. So just to clarify, yeah, in case someone was like, clear. wow, they just said there's no ministry gifts. No. There are ministry yes, gifts. Dad has a ministry gift. I have a ministry gift, but to be honest with you, I don't operate out of my ministry gift anymore. Right. I operate as a son, right. a son of God. Right. I, that's how I move now. I know the difference because I move by the anointing, and I know what the, a ministry gift anointing feels like. It feels like a coat. I don't use the coat. I use the river. It's different. <laughs> so I minister different because the anointing is different because we're starting to see this happen you right. know so these this is where we are now we're sitting in this place where god is starting to open things up to a lot of people and people are like now this isn't matching my teaching well that's because your teaching isn't matching the scripture so we're describing the scripture right, right.
There we go. That, I just wanted to explain that. Was be- that was beautiful. Yeah, I, I kind of blew through that. Well, I just um, want, yeah, because yeah, we were yeah, like, woo, and I was like, wait. wait, wait. <laughs> they, they need to know that. I don't say there's no more gifts. That's yeah. silly. I had to look like. But, you know, <laughs> the ministry of the prophet won't be needed because we'll all be prophets, for example. Right. You right. see, it's like that. And it really does seem like that's happening now. Um, when you, when Jesus told everyone that he was Jacob's ladder, and you know what Jacob's ladder is, right? Angels ascend and descend. When he told everybody that he was Jacob's ladder, that means that we can ascend to heaven and come back. But we weren't taught how to do that. So what we're, what we're seeing right now is around the world, by the th- and I'm not exaggerating when I say by the thousands. It's not just little groups here and there. There's thousands. There's people in North Carolina, I think it's, I think it's 2,000 a month. They ascend from different places in the world. They ascend to a certain place in heaven. They write down what they saw. When they put together their notes, they all saw the same thing. They saw each other. They saw that kind of thing. And they took that knowledge that God wanted them to bring back to the earth, back to the earth. For example, we were taught about that. We were taught that we could ascend to heaven and come back. We were taught that you have to die to go to heaven. But when Yeshua said, I only do what I see my father do, and I only say what I hear my father say, and he is the new man, (laughs) the new Adam, the last Adam, that's who his kids are. So we're, we're going to be like him. So um, so we just wanted to mention that so that you could understand. Um, it's, it, yeah, you, you did go with that, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> just to add it. Because we, we, we believe in all that, for sure. Um, all, all, all of them, you know, you've got... Uh, you know, different kinds of gifts and things like that. And Paul describes them all to them. And, but in the process of that, he wants them to understand, don't become totally dependent on that and think that they're going to be your source of spirituality because right. that's not what Papa wants. He wants you to have a, an individual uh, relationship with him. Right. And, and we the, honor the prophets. And we honor you them. Know, we, we honor all the and gifts. There are, yeah. there are like, like really legit prophets out oh, there absolutely. right now. That sure. are, like, like they read your mail. Sure. Dad, Dad operates in the gift of of it all the time so we honor the gift of the prophet but we realize that we're coming into a different age now it's it's even more and i know like for some people they're like i don't even know about the gifts that's great you know <laughs> but that's fine that's fine but we're kind of going we're just going for it here so I'm we're so giving you the you next the next thing you know because the gift some people don't even know about the gifts you know yeah. the gifts of the spirit the ministry gifts and all that it's all those are really good those are really right. and they're supernatural right like like the scripture says we may all prophesy one by one I shouldn't be snarky with that, should I? About 59 minutes, I won't do that. It's too snarky, right? I don't know which one you're going to say. <laughs> when you have a connection with Jesus, you can prophesy. Right. The early church was very spiritual. Very spiritual. They sang. David, David wrote 3,000 psalms. Uh... They collected 150 for the part that we call the Old Testament. They collected 150. And in those Psalms, he taught us a whole, but in those Psalms, they, they kept the things that teach us about, about God. And um, in the early church sang the very songs that David wrote in the notes that David wrote and in the frequency that David wrote. We find out that there's frequencies um, there are there are harsh frequencies that produce agitation and anger and irritation. 
And then there's the frequency of heaven, which is a frequency of love, and it produces peace. And it produces rest. And so they sang David's psalms and the songs of Moshe that, that were extant at that time in their, in their services. And then they sang spontaneously. Okay? Standing at the front of a church, playing with a, with a band, and um, all of a sudden, all the band members are singing in tongues the same words. And um, when I stand, if I don't have a point of reference, I end up turning. <laughs> so I didn't realize I had turned, but I hear the band. We're all singing the same song in, the, in tongues, the same tongues. And I hear the congregation. The whole congregation is singing in tongues the same words that we're singing at the same time. That was the early church. Because the Bible says those songs that are in the Spirit teach us. Mm -hmm. When a person is carried along in the Spirit, there's teaching in that. So that was the early church. So they did prophesy one by one. Anybody in this room that belongs to Jesus, I could teach you. I could teach you how to prophesy. You could prophesy, you could prophesy to each other right next to each other and be 100% accurate if you, if you belong to Jesus. Everyone can be taught. So what's happening... I'm painting a picture of how intertwined we are with him. And it's available to everybody. Now, thank God for the prophets. Thank God for the apostles. Like, phew, we. <laughs> the, the proof that you're an apostle is that everybody wants to kill you. That's what Paul said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's true. <laughs> he goes, I think God put apostles last in the list. <laughs> They're the most dishonored and disliked and all that. Because th there's that challenge going on in the spiritual realm trying to get people mad at, at God. Can so I, anyway. I'll bring up another thing, too. Yeah, which please do. <laughs> in, in your notes is, um, you know, I think a lot of times the way that we approach the things of, of the Spirit have a lot to do with how much access we're, we're, we're getting. That's beautiful. Okay? That's beautiful. And, um, and I think that when... And not everybody, you know, reads a lot of, you know, Christian teaching, but some of us do. And um, when we do, we, we get a lot of um, techniques, you know. What's the technique for this? What's the technique for that? What's the latest thing and what's the latest? And the scripture actually gives us a technique. And you know what Jesus said? He said, come to me like a little child. And, and when he said that, when he says that, it kind of gets rid of all of the other techniques, automatically yeah right because <laughs> <laughs> little children aren't taught techniques they come from a pure heart of devotion to the parent and love and trust and so when we're coming into the things of god and coming into the things of the spirit the first position is the position of trust that we trust him yeah. that we trust him as our heavenly father who cares about us and when we approach him that way then things start to open up we have this idea i'm powerful i have to exert power on this and that and the other that's the wrong approach that's our soul trying to get preeminence in our in ourself yeah. to control everything around us but really if we would put ourselves under the 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 love of god for us and this is one of the most powerful ways of, of entering into the things of God is to become aware and to think about and to focus on how much he loves us, how much he's taken care of us our whole lives, how much he's protected us. He's protected our family, the things that are good in our lives. Well, I've had some bad things, but that wasn't God. 
That's what I'm saying. You put your thoughts on the things that are him, on his love. Oh, the devil did this and that. I'm not talking about the devil. <laughs> That's the issue people have. They're focusing on him too much. He's not a part of your story. He's not even in your scroll of destiny. If you look for him, you will not find him because he's not a part of it. The devil. The devil. Right, the devil's not. But that's why I'm saying a lot of times we're trying to fight a force that isn't there. But what we do is we come in low and humble and allow the Spirit of the Lord to reveal the things within our own heart. And the other thing, too, is we see a lot of high-level stuff. Like you say, I see this, I see that, I see the other thing. This guy's doing that. You know, everybody's probably heard about the Asbury Revival by now. You know, there's all these people, and what are they doing? They're hungry for God. What does that mean? Do I have to sit in service for 24 hours to get anything from God? Nope, you don't. To be in the presence of God for 24 hours is just something that you enjoy. You're not earning anything. You're just enjoying the Lord for 24 hours. Okay, that sounds good to me. You know, but yeah, know. you know what I'm saying? That's fine. Yeah, we but want I did, that. But yeah. I didn't earn anything. Right. You know, God isn't looking to see, is your love level high enough for me to grant you some request? Yes, are you worried? Do children act like that? No. They assume you're going to give them everything. They just assume it. They're like, well, even when they're you know, it's older. like, yeah, it's like you have this, you have this very expensive, you have this very expensive iPad, and your kid just comes up and you're like, thanks. You know, that's the way kids are. You know, and you're like, wait, that's my iPad. No, it's my iPad now. And that's a child. It's and why is that? Because the child knows that it's their parent. So what has happened through our mindset is we've been separated. From in who our, our in our mind only from who we are, who our father is and his nature, and so when we've been separated from who he is in our mind in his nature, we come up with our own ideas of who he is. Yeah, and when we do, a lot of times those are scary, <laughs> and so we're like, well, maybe I don't want to go talk to God right now <laughs> yes. because I did see someone got struck down the other day, and that <laughs> might have been God, and that could be me next because yeah. I apparently have not done everything correctly. Right, right, right. and we know that. But guess who else knows that? God. And guess who has never left us? Him. You know? So I say, like, when, when we go in, always go low. Like, I deserve this. I deserve that. Come in as a child. It's, it's your first yeah. position. Yeah. Yeah. The position of love. The position of where am I in the family? Am I outside the family or inside the family? And God's like, you are so inside the family. Yes, you can't that ever you leave it. You cannot be any more inside yes, the family you than you are it. right this very second, and it's impossible for you to leave the family. Right. You are like blood. You, you are in blood. You are, totally you are blood in, in the family, that right? And it. so, and, and he proved it to us by shedding his blood. Yeah. You see? So it's, it's just a perfect combination of all of this and this is what gives us access and what we're really doing as as, in this is we're opening up gates within our own selves that were always there but not recognized because of the lostness of our own thinking you know so I always say if you're going to access going in that place because it is hard I will tell you when you first learn it it is hard to get away from the technique system it is because you're like, well, I'm supposed to first read three verses, then I pray for 20 minutes, then I do the thing, then I write down what I see. Now, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But God isn't a technique; He's a person, and He loves us. So, you know, a lot of things that I do when I'm, you know, accessing, you know, my my, you know, the spirit realm is I just don't do anything, <laughs> and that just shuts the soul down. 
you know, and I'm just quiet before the Lord. Right. I'm just, I'm just aware of him, you know? So these are the kind of things, and I just wanted to add that in is like, how do we access this? You know, when yeah, I go to sleep yeah. at night and I go into a trance, what did I do to earn that? Well, I worked hard, made myself tired. I did that, <laughs> right? But that's a child. You see, we're children in our understanding. Yeah. And, and we, we need to approach him as a child would approach their parent, you know? And, and if, yep. Can you clarify what a trance is really quick? Because not everybody's been here overnight. Oh, Dad, can I you clarify hear. what a trance is? Okay, um... A trance in the Bible is your, a state that you are in in which the only one that's talking to you is God. There's nothing else there. It's only God talking to you. When you have a dream at night, the Bible teaches that you're actually in a trance, even though no one told you that before. Because the dreams, the Bible teaches that the dreams only come from God. They do not come from the devil. They don't come from little bits of psychological matter left over from your day. Um, the Bible teaches that he gives dreams. They come from him. And he's catering them to you to teach you or to warn you from something that's going to hurt, hurt you. He, he gives dreams for various reasons, which we covered earlier. So a trance state is a state in which you're not aware of anything around you except God. Now you can get that nightly, you get that nightly when you dream, but you can also learn how to connect with God and by what you focus, I wanted to do that just briefly so we, you know, hopefully we didn't lose you, we said the gifts of the Spirit did. I'm really concerned I didn't say anything about that. But um, um, it's, a, it's a state where you're only aware of God Okay, now there's trance music, but that, that is not a trance. That's just some kind of demonic realm they want you to be in. Right. Okay, but when we're talking about God, you are designed by him to be able to give him your total focus and not be distracted by anything else. So sometimes a trance state, if you've ever heard of Rodney Howard Brown, one of the things that he was known for is that people just fell down when they were praying for him. And sometimes they were thrown backwards. One, one meeting, there was a little three-year-old boy. He got knocked down under the power. Of, that's what we called it back then. We don't call it that now. But he got knocked down under the power of God. He gets up. He's, he's got this fire-like look in his eyes. He points at Rose, three-year-old boy. He's going down this gigantic arena thing. He points at this row. Everybody in that row goes flying backwards under the power of God. He points at that row. Everybody in that row goes flying backwards under the power of God. And his total focus is on God, and it's not determined by how old he is. So a transit state is a state in which you're not aware of what's going on around you. Only God. So it's like your total attention is on him, and, and then you realize that his total attention is on you, and it's always been, but you weren't aware of it. And so that's the place where he can talk clearly to you. And your mind's not saying, you know... I don't know what to do. You know, I tried this and it didn't work, and I tried that and it didn't work, and and oh uh, man, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen now. And and um, okay, so your focus is on an answer in this realm. That's why you feel like there's no answer because you took your focus, you put it into this realm where there wasn't a solution in this realm. Right. But when you go into a trance state, God says, "Well, 
do this, and after you get done with that, do this. You do that, and everything starts improving, and you do that, and the whole thing's over. And you didn't get it from this realm, this one. You got it from the heavenly realm. And um, we're designed by God to live in these two, these two areas. Um, he, want, he wants us to, to bring the kingdom that was trashed. <laughs> they tried trashing this kingdom and hurting everybody. He wants us to bring work with him to bring to pass his will on this planet because his will is that you don't you're not agitated you're not anxious you don't have people hating you cursing you out you don't have any of that going on it's the word is shalom shalom the letters for shalom mean nothing missing nothing broken completely well that's what he wants for the whole planet everybody has shalom okay so a trance state your total focus is on him and you realize that his is on you, and he can talk very clearly to you, and your brain is not in the way. It just talks clearly to you. Okay? Now, I understand it's trance music, but they're not connecting you with God. Stuff that goes on with trance music is not good. Or drugs. <laughs> yes. Very not good. <laughs> okay? Um, so, <laughs> did that help? Okay. <laughs> but you're doing that every night, and no one told you. You have something? Yeah. Is that would you consider that like a trance? Because his soul tends to over that like an entire like his soul tends to move on God and God's soul tends to move on. Right. Um, it, it is an encounter for sure because he got knocked off his 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 steed or what it was probably a, I don't know if it, did he say horse? Because horses were very rare. They were so rare that they 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 said this about that time. The only people that owned horses were uh, people that were born on horses. So if he got a horse, that was pretty good. It could have been a donkey, but whatever he was riding on, he felt he got knocked off. <laughs> so a trance would be like a vision he had. Or he got of, the vision while he was in a trance. Yes. So, uh, on, was it the, on the rooftop? Right. Yeah. Peter. Yep. yep, he went into a trance, Peter, and had, had a vision to, to just remind him things that he already know. But look, I like all people. <laughs> so, you know... Why is Peter killing it? I've never eaten any unclean food. No, that's not what I'm talking about, Pete. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, so does that help? Does that make sense? Okay. Because you do have encounters with God, for sure. And we did talk, we did have a couple of those on the first night. We talked about a bunch of different trances, I think. I think it was the first night. Yeah. Uh, I think the first night. So, um, to continue with the thing about, you know, <laughs> prophets... <laughs> I hope everybody's good with that. <laughs> well, I didn't okay. think anything was wrong. Yeah, I just wanted no, to but I just wanted to be sure because I thought, you know, they could be thinking I'm saying that, and I wasn't. Okay, no, so it's, a, um, it's good news all around. Yeah, it's all good news. <laughs> so if he says that all of God's yeah, people are going to be prophets, let's find out the definition of a prophet. And the person, the people that give us the best definition of a prophet would be the Hebrews, right? So their definition is... Um, what makes someone a prophet is that Elohim has revealed himself to that person in one way or another, whether or not God commanded him to share the revelation with someone else. Now, that sounds like most Christianity, doesn't it? Because you had, you had some kind of encounter with God, okay? You may share it with someone, but that's, that's not the definition. And then they say, one who merely received communications might still be called a seer or a visionary. 
So you see there's different aspects of prophets. One is that you heard words, received the communications, or one is that God himself revealed himself to you. You see there's two, those are two different things. So before Samuel, prophets were called seers. Okay, so that's the prophetic realm. And you understand now that when he says that we're going to all be prophets, he's doing that. We're not doing that. He's doing that. This earth, most likely by 2050, this earth is not going to look anything like it does tonight. He's doing things on this planet that you, you, you find out and your mind just goes boggle, boggle, boggle. <laughs> this is stunning what you're doing right now. So, um... I'm not prophesying that, but it could it could be a lot sooner than we thought. So um, so that's it. Now, what we want to understand is this, and, and so I want to do this kind of like see see if if you're having trouble understanding it, raise your hand so I can explain it better. Okay. Since we're designed by God with this physical body for this realm in the spiritual body for the spiritual realm okay so we're designed to be in both realms he doesn't want to be in this realm exclusively he wants us to have access to the heavenly realm as well okay so here's what we're going to do we're going to talk about the brain and the mind and i'm going to try to present this in a way that makes sense to you and um about how to find your secret place okay so we're just going to we're just going to use a um i don't know what that is Here's what I found. No, do not find. How do I get rid of that? <laughs> you did not find anything. I wasn't asking you. Okay, so um, so we're going to use the word mind. If you've ever heard uh, Brother Hagen's teachings on spirit, soul, and, and body, um, the mind is your spirit. But for people to understand what we're talking about, we're going to use a synonym and we're going to call it mind. But, but the mind is actually your spirit. It's who you are, okay? So the mind functions in two realms. The brain and the mind are intertwined, and so we're going to define the difference now, okay? The brain is the physical organ that's located in the head, okay? This brain provides contact with this natural world. Is this wood or plastic? Is this cloth or plastic? Okay? My brain's involved in all of that because of my five senses, okay? It's the physical located in the head, provides contact with this natural world, and it functions to keep the bodily, the physical body operating properly, okay? So the, the heart tells the brain to tell it how fast to beat. They're connected, okay? It, it's, it's overseeing every part of your body, okay? It's keeping it functioning properly. When a person dies, the brain ceases to function, but the mind stays conscious in the spiritual realm. Now, if you've studied Brother Hagen, you could just, where it says mind, you could say spirit, um, but this is a way that we can help people understand um, what we're talking about, okay? So the mind is the part of a person's invisible side. The brain is a part of the physical being. So, so there's a difference there between these two things, okay? So the left side of your, of your um, brain is, is um, becomes strongly activated when it's engaged in analytical thinking, okay? When that part of your brain gets activated, um, you give off 
the left side of your brain gives off beta waves. They, they can um, scientifically, um, you know, this is giving off beta waves now. So that, so when it, the, when the, when your mind uses your brain to function analytically, your brain gives off beta waves. The right side of your brain active when we're in a creative process okay uh, and in that side when it when the brain is involved in creative process which we're going to talk about a little bit more in a second when it's involved in that it gives off alpha waves so if a if a, if a scientist comes up to you and uh, uses their their devices to measure it they can tell they can tell the kind of th thought that you're involved with by the brain by the beta or alpha waves, okay? So, um, all people have alpha waves predominant when, when dreaming. When a person opens to the realm of the spirit, there is a measurable increase in alpha waves. What I'm doing is I'm using scientific uh, jargon to help you understand what the in our current language in America, what the Bible talks about, okay? The focus of a person's mind influences the functioning of the brain. If you spend a lot of time analyzing and thinking in, in that aspect, um, and you just stay there, the effect that it has on you is that you become agitated um, you become uh, overwhelmed. You become, um, and you, you'll even burn out. The more time you, the more time that your brain spends in in that kind of thought, prolonged, it has it has a physical and also a mental thing, but it has a physical effect, a physical effect on you. Um, what we're calling the creative process is a way of helping people to understand. If I want to in the backyard that's never been built before. I can't analyze that. I have to be creative. And that part of what we're going to call our mind, the creates, when I get into that realm, I'm focused on that realm, then I create, and that's the, that place is a place of, of peace and rest. Okay? Now, um, People change the flow of electrical impulses from beta to alpha as they focus and simplify their thoughts to power. Okay, so this is just something that scientists have, have come across to, you know, let everybody know about. But Christians have been done, doing this for, well, thousands of years. <laughs> We've been doing this all along, and now they're, they're showing it. Um, you also have in your brain a specific spot in your brain that when you have an, an, a religious experience, that spot lights up. So the, your human body is designed and your spiritual body is designed to have encounters with God continually, not just once or twice in your life, because he gave you a spot in your brain where, where, where yes. it lights up when That's you're awesome. having a religious experience. Amen. <laughs> okay, so... You can see how easy it is. What you're focusing on is what your brain, what your mind is focusing on, is what you're is what you're having. You can't live in just one realm. You have to live in both. 
if you spent too much time, um, possibly, maybe, I don't know, maybe you might end up um, feeling, having some kind of negative association with the spiritual realm if you didn't ever, 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 you know, wondering why I can't turn this camera off without touching it. You know, that kind of nonsense. Right. Um, that's nonsense. But what I'm trying to say, he designed us for both realms. Mm -hmm. If I use mine, maybe you can understand what we're talking about. Otherwise, it, if you can't, I can teach you the difference between spirit, soul, and body, and that'll help a lot. Okay? Right. But whatever you're focusing on, it's what you focus on. So, like, when... I almost called Uncle Jamie. When... <laughs> when... when <laughs> Um, when Jamin says, close your eyes, Christ is in me, and I am in Christ. And when you say that, you can, something feels different in you. Because if you're sitting here thinking about what you were going to eat when you left here and you're analyzing how much money it was going to cost and how far you had to drive, if you're doing that, when you stop and say, I am in Christ, and Christ is in me, I've taken my mind, which is also our spirit, I've taken my mind and I'm focused on God. The more that I do that, the more I engage in that spiritual realm, okay? Now, you can also use his name because the name Yahweh has in it his nature and his essence. So when you say Yahweh, Yahweh, you're focusing on the spiritual realm and you're now in your mind, if your mind was active in analysis, it now switches over to alpha state. And in that state, there's rest and peace. Okay? Right. There's also God, but I'm just adding, you know, because you're interacting with him. Right. And once you do that, it becomes very easy. The more you do it, because it's just like anything else, until you can do it without words, you could just go there. But what we're doing is, we're, but w because you've trained yourself on what you're focusing on. If you're in a place you don't have an answer, don't stay there then. Don't be all frustrated and angry and upset because you don't know what to do. Go in. We call it going in because Jesus said, Go in. The kingdom of heaven <laughs> is? Within. Within. <laughs> I was hoping you all knew that first, okay? <laughs> so if it's within you, like, like I'm going to use the word, time just dig this Yeshua was a man right yes him and Papa did not merge and become one new nature because right. if that happened he couldn't be tempted because God's not tempted with evil. so That's when right. you receive the Holy Spirit the baptism of the Holy Spirit you spoke in tongues you've had encounters with God your nature and his didn't become one new nature you're still a human but he's inside of you so, it's also all around you, but I'm just talking about us personally now, okay? So, because we understand that, I cannot interact with him whenever I want. So, because I can interact with him, I can spend a few, I can spend a few moments and hear him talk to me about something that I want to know about. If it's like that, I prefer to just 
on them when I go in because I just love that part. <laughs> so, um, but you become aware of him because you took your mind, which we're going to call spirit, if you've you know, studied Brother Hagin's books, you've taken your mind and you focused on him. So here's the thing that I said, dig. Dig this. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit was in Yeshua without measure. You don't have a little bit of the Holy Spirit inside of you. The human body is designed by God to have an unlimited amount inside of you. Because he's, he's the father. Yeshua is the new race. He's the, he's the last Adam. We're all going to be like him. And he's got the spirit without measure. You have inside of you the ability to be filled with God beyond what your brain can comprehend. It's awesome, isn't it? Yeah. Right? And the, how do I get that? Well, I, I take my mind and I focus on that. I focus on him. Um, at, at some point, as you develop this, like I said, you don't, you don't, you, you can do it without words. You can think about it and go there. Um, you can go easily. It does it won't take long. Um, but if, but it requires you, we don't want to have to say the word, but I don't know it. It's not practicing like riding a bike. It's just doing it. Right. Well, there's that book uh, by Brother Lawrence, Practicing the Presence of right. God. Right, right, exactly. Know, this is a very ancient uh, technique. It's not new at all. Right. Um, and neither is it a New Age technique. Um, the New Age take our everybody's they took, stuff. They want to take our and stuff. And relabel things. But <laughs> Brother Lawrence and a lot of these guys were teaching this of as as a means of, of of a lifestyle that you live of being in the presence of god and being aware of the presence of god all the time and it's an amazing thing because we were never made to be separated in our minds we were always it's and that and i think that's why you know you were saying earlier about jesus i only do what i see my father do you know and 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 i was saying a couple of weeks ago about you know we've always you know, we've heard God's voice. You might hear a teaching, and they're like, oh, God just spoke to me. Well, and I was like, well, there's a seeing version of that where you can see him. And, and, yeah. I, and that's just that, these encounters. And it, it is so easy that we miss it, you know, because we're so used to all the techniques. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that when you're like, hey, this is really easy. And you're like, wait, it can't be that easy. And then you're, and then you're no, like, it oh, is. it is that yeah. easy. But it's a practice, like you were saying, it's a practice in the sense of just doing it. You know, you're just doing it over and over again. And when you forget to do it, then you get out of practice. So you just remember again. We call it recollect. We remember. Where where am I? Oh, I'm in him. Oh, I remember. Yeah, that's right. I'm in him now. You know, and then all that outside chatter, yeah, that's going on, just gets really quiet. Because you realize in him you have that shalom, you know. Mm -hmm. So it's so good. And, yeah, you know, Brother Lawrence, look it up. Practicing the presence of God, if you if it's if public domain, it's really it, yeah. old. Sure. Um, but it's it's got the, those techniques. So look for that technique in there. Like, again, you read the older books, you have a lot of extra stuff too. Focus on that part of that book. Get that out of it. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. So you know, we're just um, once we understand that He's giving us dreams every night. And he's giving us, because that's what we talked about the last few nights. Once we understand that he's giving us um, dreams every night, and because they're in images, it's the sod of God. 
It's the highest level. It's the secrets. It's the mysteries of God. He's bringing a mystery to you. Once we realize that, then we begin to realize, do I have to wait and go to sleep? Now, um, John Paul Jackson was part of the uh, Kansas City Prophets with Mike Bickle, and they were close friends, and they were building some kind of building in Texas, and, um, and they didn't know what to do about something, and so Mike, Mike Bickle told John Paul, can you just go take a nap so you can hear from God and tell us what to do, get a dream and tell us what to do? And so we just want to let you know that you don't have to only do it by a dream. <laughs> He's messing with him. You don't have to do it by a dream. But as you begin to see, because one, maybe we can end with this. I don't know how to, what to say. Um, what did Jesus get paid for being crucified? What, what did he get? What did he get out of that? What does the Bible say he got out of that? Before, why did he do that? For the joy set before him. The world has a, a distinct lack of joy because that kind of joy only comes from our Papa. And so joy, joy it's, I don't know how to best say it. It's like a natural byproduct of it. And that's why the Bible compares that joy to wine. Fermented grapes is kind of weird. Let's let's ferment rice. <laughs> let's ferment this so we can whatever. No, 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 no. God, the joy of Yahweh. Right. We don't we don't have we can't we can't even define it. You just enjoy it, and so that that's part of it. And uh, for us, the, the way that Jamin and I view what we do is the way Peter said it. Um, we're not lords over God's heritage. We're helpers of your joy. And that's how we view it. You have the joy that God, he wants your life full of joy. And you can have joy in the midst of all the negativity you could ever imagine. Because it's his joy. Um, joy fixes a lot of things. Joy brings healing to the body. Does a lot of beautiful things for us. And so, um, you know, he's not in heaven wringing his hands. Oh, what's going on in this world? I gave them and they're really messing up. What am I going to do? You know, he's not doing that. Right. He's, he's very happy. Yeah. <laughs> he is full of joy. And then when you intertwine with him, you have that same joy yourself that he has. It's unhinged. <laughs> it's unhinged joy. It is. It's, it's unhinged. Not, it's, it's, not, totally. it's, it's completely unhinged. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yep. But he, he, and you know, the most amazing thing is he's so, he is so excited about us i know he's so he, he is, is so happy every he time is. like like when you like you can be in a room and you can recognize like i can look at everybody you know and look at you and and when i see you're looking back at me we recognize each other right there's a spiritual thing for that too it's to go in and to look and to see him and he sees you and his face lights up because he loves us so much and that is i don't know how else than that it's just yeah. he is absolutely he loves us so much and he wants us to know this so much and so it's like every time it's like it's a party <laughs> it is, I it's know. a party and i don't know I, I it's hard you know we can talk about it but it's the best to experience it you know yeah. because it's hard to explain some things because there is no real uh 
thing on the earth that looks like this yet. <laughs> because it, you're going to look like this. Yeah, and, and it's, <laughs> it's, gonna it's be definitely all coming. It's definitely coming. The right. things that are happening right now, the the. If you want to learn how to how to be translated from one place on the planet to another, they have a school to teach you that. They do. And the, the man that's running it said 95% of the people that come to the school have already been doing it. Like Philip. Like Elijah. Like Yeshua. Yeshua not only did it by himself, he translated not only the people, but the boats that they were in. And that's happening on our planet right now, all over the place. We're coming up on the age that he prophesied. It feels like that. We're in. It's, you know, when I found out that he was, I was like, Bruce, <laughs> what age are we living in? You could be taught. Yes, you can. Whoa. Right? Right. You know, Billy Brim's grandson was translated into a closet. And um, in the closet, he saw some men planning to blow up a plane. And while he was in the closet, he found a, a coin on the floor and put it in his pocket. And then he came back and he told his mom, and he had more specific details. And um, they prayed about it, and that plane had something happen where it didn't go up and get blown up. And, and, and um, so she asked him, you know, did you see any? Yeah, this coin, and he gave him a coin only happened in that country. So these, these are the kinds of things that are going on on our planet right now. Because we really are as children. We really are as children. Everything that Yeshua did is available for us. And he painted that beautiful picture. The early church flowed in it. They absolutely flowed in the presence. Can you imagine an unbeliever comes in and everybody starts prophesying to him? They're not prophesying about his sin. They're naming who he is. And he falls down in his face and he says, God is truly here. There was no convincing. He felt his presence and responded. And that, that was normal to them. His presence was that, that powerful and that real and that strong when they met. Imagine listening to everybody prophesy one by one, carried up in the spirit. Songs that were sung in their language, like let's say uh, Hebrew or Aramaic, songs that were sung in Aramaic, and then there's the songs where the singer is caught, caught up in the, in the wind of the Spirit and singing the words of God himself, and everyone's blessed by it. Different, spontaneous, totally spontaneous, and there's teaching in it, right? So what we're seeing now, we're seeing that kind of stuff. People can ascend to heaven in a, in a group of people if they're, if they're common, if they have a commonality. They can ascend to heaven together. One of the things that you can do is you can go to heaven. There's scrolls in heaven. You can be praying about something. You can go to heaven. You can ask Jesus to bring you to the place where that scroll is. You can actually take that scroll in your hand. You can bring it to the earth. You can open it up and read it. When you open it up and read it, that's what happens. Right then it happens you brought the scroll from heaven to here this is happening all over the world I'm just giving, you see what this is like mind-blowing you're like <laughs> I thought we were just gonna have churches and buildings and stuff <laughs> so we're, we're, you know maybe we're blowing your mind with too much but anyway um, 
just enjoy having your mind blown because you can't figure God out anyways. So right. It's just, it's all fun with him. Yeah. But there's a lot of, we could do a lot of stuff more, but th I think that's maybe enough yeah. we can talk about for now. And just, just know that um, he, t he deeply, totally loves everybody. Yeah. And he's not mad at anyone. And for sure, he's not holding your sin against you. Right. For you to get the benefit, repent, because he did that for us. Right. He, he could have been crucified in, in private, but he was crucified at the intersection of two major roads in the Roman Empire, because the only roads in, in the Roman Empire to Rome. <laughs> they didn't go in between cities, yeah. right? But at the crossroads, so that everybody could see it. Mm -hmm. See, I know what you feel like. I know the pain that you're in. I know, I know the troubling of your mind. I know what it feels like to be sick with cancer. And I'm taking all of this for you. He did it in public, so everybody could see. Because it was for us, not for him. He's, he's, he's already forgiven us. But for me to get the benefit, I have to agree with him. Yeah, I'm not doing this sin anymore. Because right. <laughs> every time I do that sin, I get hurt. So what don't, how long does it take me to realize that? And okay, so, yeah. repentance <laughs> is the word metanoia, which means to, to change your mind. So, you know, usually people think, well, you know, Jesus was a great prophet or whatever, you know, but he's saying, well, no, like Peter, you yeah. are the Christ, the Son of the living God. It's to change your mind about him and also to change your mind about yourself. Sure. <laughs> because I agree with what God says about me. Right. I've decided exactly. to stop defining myself by my actions, nor to condemn myself for my actions, but I've decided to receive the forgiveness from God for who I really am, that yeah. I'm, I'm a child of God, you know? And, and, you know, if you ever get a thought that is not in line with that, just say that out loud. I'm a child of God. I am beloved of God. I am beloved. I'm not just loved, but I'm beloved. I'm like, you know, and, and if you look at all of Jesus' examples of what the kingdom of, of heaven is like, and he compares it to treasure, treasure in a field, pearl of great price, the prodigal son. It wasn't about how bad somebody was. It was about how precious they were. Yeah. And, you know, That's if, we'll, view if we'll come into to the kingdom with that idea, it's not pride. It's childlike. Yeah. It's childlike. Yeah. Yeah. You know, children don't, they're oblivious to the fact that they're the only ones it's okay though <laughs> that they're, they're they think they're the only ones in the family yeah. and god said come to me like this come low you know come humble and allow me to show you who you really are and that's where our change comes and it's not and it is a process it is a process it's not it doesn't happen immediately it happens over time and the one who's working with us is the spirit of the lord he's been given to us and and or she, you know, the female version of that word, <laughs> that's, that's has been given to us to teach us and to and show us who we're, because we're going to be doing some amazing things, way greater than we ever thought. And it's not our idea, it was his. So we're just repeating what he says. We're doing some cool stuff. Judging angels, what does that mean? We're responsible. We're going to be responsible for that. And it's the cherubim. And how do we judge them? It's the cherubim. In the love judge. of God. Should we? Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I'm just getting to know my angel, so just go for it. That's the whole point. Just go for it. You're there. You're already having dreams. I'm not mystical. Too, too late. <laughs> too late for that. <laughs> yeah. there, there was a, a, a man in, um, I don't think it was Italy, but it was during the time of World War II, and he was given charge over the region, and he moved in the spirit. 
He wasn't a leader. Okay. He moved in the spirit, and which means that he flew. Wow. So he could he would just fly around, and um, Hitler was starting a bombing run, and he was destroying everything coming across Italy. And he flew up. So there's a squadron. It's not one plane. It's a whole squadron. And he holds up his hand like this. And every one of those planes does an instant 180 and goes back. Wow. And then he comes in. Because he's protecting his region. And you're not destroying it. And those people were in love with Jesus. It's recorded. There's things like that. Powerful things that have been going on that we didn't know, and now we find out about it. You know, we've had um, one guy every night. His neighbors didn't know what it was, but there was always these flashing lights in his backyard. Every night, he'd go out in his backyard, he'd be physically transported to another place on the planet. And I remember reading this um, when I was younger. Um, there's a, there was a, we found out about it, but he's just, he's just going to go where Jesus tells him to go. So he is now f- flying through the air, and he sits down on a plane. And he tells the plane, he t- looks at the pilot, and he tells him where to go. And the pilot takes his, com- he takes his controls and goes there, because he was lost. He was going to crash and die. He t- and he's just, Jesus says, tell him to go here, tell him to go there. And then he lands, and the guy's excited beyond description. He said, a man came and landed on my plane. And they said, what were you drinking? (laughs) Right? But there was proof that it happened. We're just doing the mind-boggling things. That's all we're doing. There's a lot of these mind-boggling things that are going on that we didn't know. (laughs) Because... A son of God is not just a church participant. Right. <laughs> You're a kingdom. You're a king participant. You are a citizen of heaven. It's your it's your it's your country. It's your city. It's yeah. where you're from. So go visit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and boy is it a good place. Go yeah, visit yeah, with, yeah. with Jesus. He's yeah. awesome. All right. Cool. Do so wanna... I, I guess we'll we'll call it good. Yep. Thanks thanks for being here. Thank <laughs> you.